Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Good morning from the great state of Maine up here. <laughs> it is an early, early one today. Woke up around four, pretty much because I went to bed uh, really early last night. It's been a long, fun weekend. We uh, we actually had some activity, or had an activity that uh, a bunch of us went out and did. Went down to Bath, Maine, which is about 45 minutes south of us, and watched the comedian Bob Marley, who, if you haven't ever heard of him, search him on YouTube or something, because he is, he's like a real deal comedian. Holy cow. I, I'd been to one comedy show back in the... 90s I think out when I was living in Bozeman Montana and all I remember of that is uh walking out <laughs> after about 45 minutes uh because it was so bad but um this was really 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 good I I was pretty blown away I wasn't 100% sure how it was gonna go um but I I don't know I think in the last few years I've definitely become more interested in stand-up comedy and, and all that, probably because I myself spent a good amount of time uh, on a stage trying to trying to tell, uh, you know, the story about the trip around the world and, and be entertaining and all that sort of stuff. It, it, it brought back quite a bit of nostalgia, but um, yeah, it was, it was really funny. I mean, laugh out loud funny. There's something about being in in the actual room with the comedian live and the energy of the audience and, and people all around you. It was, it was really great. So we went out and did that. Murph, Murph came with and he did not get kicked out, which is pretty impressive for Murph. It's, it's, it's pretty hard. He threw a couple little, uh, little one-liners in there that actually went over pretty well. But, uh, after being shushed a few times by the, uh, I don't know, by the guy's handler or whatever, he uh, was able to bite his tongue for the rest of the show, which, again, for Murph, is <laughs> very, very impressive. So we all had a good night. It was fun. It's um, it's kind of interesting. This this year, being up here in Maine uh, already, it's a little bit different, uh, mostly, probably mostly because I've been up here enough times where I've gotten to know quite a few people, but this time, it definitely feels like uh, becoming part of the community a bit more, and and I want to sort of strive towards that, really really end up, uh, I don't know, I don't know if this is a place to grow some roots, but um, it is, it's a nice place with great people, and I'm finding more and more that that's the, that's the sort of thing that makes life really, really enjoyable, so... So that's pretty cool, but uh, yeah, today, I guess it's the 30th, so it's Memorial Day. So shout out to all those people who have fought for this country over these centuries that we've been around. And uh, yeah, hopefully figure out a way not to have to have that happen. But that that might just be a pipe dream, who knows? Human nature is pretty crazy. Uh, 
do. I don't have too much to really pontificate about about all that. Uh, I think maybe one day I will, but at this point right now, I'm just gonna talk about my day, talk about the yard, talk about my boat uh, until until my intelligence grows to a point where. My opinion might actually be valid in some of those. It's really hard. I think it's hard these days to to really formulate any sort of real honest uh, opinions about things because we get so inundated with everybody else's opinions. And it's kind of like, well, do I want to add my opinion to the mix? Do I want to throw just a whole nother thing out there? I don't know. Who knows? It's crazy. It's it's only 4.49 right now in the morning, so try not to get too deep too quickly. But today I have a, I think it's about a 65-foot motor yacht that uh, it's got a black hull and it needs to be washed with all-grip wash and then hand-waxed with all-grip wax. It's called all-care, I think. And it's inside of a building, which in some respects is kind of nice because it'll keep the dust down. But it's also surrounded by dinghies and sailboats and things like that. So it's going to be a pretty tight squeeze. And I was informed that I'm really not supposed to have a hose in that building. (laughs) So it's going to be interesting, uh, to say the least. I figure it's probably going to take about 10 hours to do that. But I'm going to start probably around 6 in the morning once I can go get the keys from Murph without waking him up too early. And that is going to be my Memorial Day. Right now it's just coffee, the podcast, and uh, slowly watching the the sun come up over the horizon. I'll tell you, up in Maine, I, I think it has to do with the fact that we're so far east and we're still on that same time zone with Michigan and stuff like that. But it starts to get light around like 4.20 in the morning, like the half light. And it really doesn't get completely dark until, I don't know, uh, 10 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night, something like that. I mean, we are really far north as well, but those are, it's the early, early mornings. In Michigan, It's it sort of flips it, and during the peak in June... It's not completely dark until almost 11 o'clock at night. <clears throat> so, pretty crazy. Uh, old Sparrow's still floating pretty well. Boy, we've, we're have we on this little dock here. And unfortunately, this this dock is, is also a place where a lot of lobster boats like to pull up and drop people off and grab people. And man, yesterday I had a guy come up. He was steaming mad. Didn't want to have to tie up to a sailboat with pretty obvious areas where you should tie another boat up if you have to raft to it. I mean, if you've got these brass or bronze bronze hossels, which are like holes in the side of the boat with cleats next to them, I would figure for somebody who is on another boat, it would be pretty obvious, but steaming mad and uh he bumped the boat pretty hard so obviously he wasn't driving too well so i'm itching itching to get back out of the water 
I also have uh, quite a few different projects I have to do as well that can only be done while it's on the hard. Mostly, I got to pull the prop shaft out and probably replace the cutlass bearing, which is sort of a bearing mechanism that is goes right through the hull around the prop shaft to uh, you know have it spin perfectly and all that sort of stuff, which is going to be a pain. Um, but it's going to be interesting because I've never done it before, so I'm I'm actually kind of looking forward to it, and I'm hoping that uh, it's not too difficult, and it actually helps helps uh, I don't know make the engine run better because it's definitely it the actual engine when it runs idling and stuff sounds great, but when you put it into gear, that's when uh, it definitely sounds. It sounds like the cutlass bearing is 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 going or gone. I don't know. It's not going to be. Uh, I, I'm sure it's not going to be pretty <laughs> when I pull it out. Probably the uh, the prop shaft is going to have some some severe damage and wear on it. And I'll probably look at it and think to myself, "Boy, I sure am lucky. Sure am lucky that did not come off." Uh, you know, while I was trying to go out from Ocean City or any of the other various times that I've had to be motoring for 10, 20 miles at a time, uh, you know, in rivers or all that sort of stuff. So who knows, who knows, but it'll just be nice. Age. She's growing a beard on her like crazy. You wouldn't believe how covered the bottom is now of multiple types of seaweed. You know, when I left Buford, South Carolina, I'd cleaned it probably 95% of it really well, but instantly the shrimps and everything hop right back on and start growing stuff. And then sitting in that Ocean City Marina for seven days, started growing again, which slowed me down even more. But now sitting in the cold waters of Penobscot Bay, now it's it's growing, um, it looks like grass on it. <laughs> so... Who knows? It's going to be a jungle down there. But I do have a nice little electric pressure washer that I'll be using. And that's going to take it all off really nice. Get the old uh, inspector gadget glasses out and uh, inspect the bottom. All that sort of stuff. Got to see what happened to that little tang. on the. the I used to have a little tiny metal tang that, that sort of went from the actual hull across the gap to the rudder so that you wouldn't pick up things like lobster traps and fish traps, things like that. And, uh, outside ocean city, I definitely ended up catching one. So obviously that's broken. Going to have to check that one out. And, uh, one of my solar panels has finally, uh, kicked the bucket, the big one on Sparrow. I've just behind the gallows, which hold the boom. I have one, big, uh, I think it's like 120 or 150 watt solar panel and that's fully supported. And then I have a second one that's, that I, I custom, uh, custom mod, put a, a second panel that, that hinges underneath it. So in heavy, heavy weather, I can hide the second panel. And then when it's good out, I can unfold it and it adds, you know, basically, essentially it doubles the the capacity for making electricity. And the second one is good because when I flip that out, it's uh, here on the dock. I can see 
the electricity flowing, but if I if I hold it in, I get nothing. So obviously that top one is is no good, and it's old. I mean, I've I've had that for six years, I guess, and it's definitely taken a beating. It's been uh, it's it's well protected from the boom, but the boom has smashed that uh, gallows a few times when I'm reefing it or this or that. So I don't know. It's taken some shock, but I. I know solar panels have definitely have a shelf life, so it's just one of those things. You gotta gotta switch those out every once in a while. Other than that, though, it has been nice. Uh, once I did get up here, I was able to get all the original wood and stuff that I had taken off of the boat before the trip. Um, so it's sort of the first time the the old West Sail looks just like the old West Sail should down below which is always nice i this is my home i people keep asking uh you know if i'm gonna sell the boat or what i'm gonna do with the boat and i'm not 100 percent sure because i don't know if i'm gonna do any more big big offshore adventuring and if i'm not gonna do that i kind of feel like this boat belongs in the hands of somebody that is gonna do that sort of stuff and whether or not i you know i love living on a boat there's something about sort of being able to shift your position on the old planet wherever you want to that uh, is very appealing to me, that sort of nomadic summer's up here and winter's down there sort of thing. So I, I think I think if I were to uh, pass Sparrow on to somebody else, then I'd probably just be looking for another boat, something new, uh, something I could fix up, and hopefully something a bit bigger as well because I would like to... Uh, transition from solo all the time to uh being able to have some some crew on board and and make some make some new sort of memories that sort of thing uh and it's kind of nice being hooked in with the boatyard and everything you can you sort of learn some of the secrets about uh finding and procuring boats that have been abandoned by people and things like that um so you can get them for very, very cheap rather than actually buying them straight from somebody. I don't know. I think ideally what would be pretty cool is to find something in the uh, 45 to 50 foot range. Something old, big, beamy, you know, not fast. I'm never, I don't think I'm ever going to be looking for like a speedboat sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, just something bigger and, and really roomy so that it actually feels a little bit more like a house. Um, and something that, that I could go and anchor instead of always being tied off to a dock, you know, like down South and feel way more self-sufficient for like a week. I can do that on this boat, but sometimes I feel just like a little bit trapped. I mean, I do like being able to step off the boat and go for a walk or a run or something like that. And the, I don't know the communal living of marinas and boatyards and stuff like that. I, I do enjoy that. I'm a pretty social person. So it's, uh, which is strange for a solo sailor to sort of say, but I don't know. There's uh it's a balancing act much like places like the doldrums. It's, it's either, uh, I'm completely alone, just like out there, it's completely becalmed. And then the next thing, you know, I'm, out at a comedy show with like six people and we're having a ball and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> or in the doldrums, you're in a big squall. Who knows? <clears throat> but uh, I've been getting a few 
a few nice emails and such from from people, and uh, just got one actually uh, today from uh, a guy named Yuan or Yuan or Yu One. I don't know. He he tried to he gave me the it's pronounced Yu One, so I guess it's Yu One. I think. Uh, well, who knows? Who knows? But uh, yeah, he owns a West Sale. He's down in New Zealand. Shout out to uh, Kiwi Land down there. Love New Zealand. Spent a lot of time. I think the longest time I was there was like nine months. But uh, beautiful country. Holy cow. I'll tell you, I, you want to see, if you want varied landscapes and ecosystems and microclimates, boy, go to New Zealand. You can, you can see a glacier one second, a desert the next, and then a coastline and a rainforest. And <laughs> it's just... It's unbelievable. You can climb volcanoes. You can pretty much do anything. And all the extreme sports. Boy, if you if you ever want to just do that stuff to experience it, bungee jumping, skydiving, hang gliding, caving, all that stuff, New Zealand is the place to do it. They've got such a lockdown as far as safety that you can just go down there and experience all that stuff. You can do it in two weeks and then never have to do it again because you got your fill. Uh, but yeah, he's down there. He says he likes the podcast, which is great. Appreciate that for sure. It's uh, I'm gonna keep it going. I've got got quite a few people I want to sit down with. Uh, I do I do think every you know every week or two I'd like to sit down and just do sort of a solo one, um, just to keep up the chops on that. It's a little it's a little easier to do that when you're out sailing because I don't know you're used to being alone. Um, You'd be talking to yourself anyway, so you just put a mic in front of it, <laughs> and um, you know you're doing something sort of interesting. But he's got uh, he's got some grand plans. He wants to go from New Zealand and sail all the way to Wales, which uh, is where his family's from, and that's pretty cool. That's um, you know for for a nonstop voyage that would be. Two, three months to get to Cape Horn, and then probably two more months to get uh, up to the UK. So you're looking at five months easy in a West Sale um, if you do it by stopping, uh, which I think is his plan. Boy, the world is your oyster. You can, you know, you can go the other way and go north of Australia across the Indian Ocean uh, to do like the trade winds. I think I think if the point was to get to the destination, uh, eh, yeah, I'd probably go Southern Ocean route and then and then maybe spend some time down in Tierra del Fuego and being in the fjords of of Patagonia and all that sort of stuff. Um, that would be pretty cool to actually see that. I only got a, a barely a glimpse of that world down there. And holy cow, I've seen it in some videos, and it looks absolutely amazing. Uh, I think you just get permission from from Chile or something like that to be able to cruise around that area. And then you're into the Atlantic, and uh, you pick the right time and just bust out of there. And I think, I don't know, I... That trip would be it would be pretty interesting to do, you know, if you were out there there's there's a few islands that I would definitely want to at least sight if not stop at and those would be the Pitcairn group. So you've got Pitcairn Island, you've got Henderson Island, Ducey Island, 
think there might be one more out there, but they're really far south, so you'd be you'd be able to get to them if you were riding the westerlies of the Southern Ocean, you know, around 40 degrees south, 45 degrees south, and then you just pop up and, and see those islands. Henderson Island is the one that I think would be pretty interesting to me because that's the one that some of the crew from the whale ship Essex ended up stranded on for quite some time. Three of them, they, well, the whole, the whole crew ended up getting there, pretty much saved all their lives. And then the majority of them took off and kept sailing, trying to reach land. And, uh, three of them ended up staying on the Island and I believe they got rescued. Um, gosh, it's been a long time since I read that book in the heart of the sea. Absolutely phenomenal book. They made a movie, and yeah, the movie's pretty good. It's entertaining, but the book is, it gives you just so much information about Nantucket and the whaling industry and, and all that sort of stuff. It really is, that that book and The Perfect Storm really are two gr- great examples of the difference between a book and a movie uh, on the same subject, because The Perfect Storm is is great it's entertaining it's got it's uh i i really enjoy it but the book you finish that sucker up and you feel like you're a sword boat uh aficionado you know you know about the fishery you know about the history of gloucester you know all this sort of stuff that you know you watch that movie and you're entertained but you don't really you don't really walk away with a a whole lot of knowledge uh so to speak but that's the beauty of books. You get so much information out of them that uh, it's it's phenomenal. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, back to uh, Yuan. Yeah, he's um, he's trying to. One of the things he wants to do is try to raise a bit of money, and he's saying it's probably for MS. Uh, his oh man, yeah. But it's a little hard, and it's understandable that it's hard if you're not a huge person on, like, social media, which I'm not uh, either, but it definitely gets a, a, it's a bit tricky to reach a whole lot of people if you're trying to do one of these trips. And I know for a lot of sailors, it's sort of the, uh, the bane of, of the whole sailing thing is, is trying to campaign to raise money, whether you're raising money for a charity or if you're raising money to be able to do some sort of trip or something like that, you just got to put a lot of effort into getting, doing like self-promotion and all that, which, Oh my God, the, just the word self-promotion just should be like a four letter word. I hate it. Uh, but it's one of those things where if you want to raise some money, uh, you actually have to get the word out there to as many people as possible because you get a thousand people that donate $2 each, you got $2,000 do the math. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tricky. I think, I think honestly, one of the, the best things you can do if you want to get the word out is if you got any friends that that have a a pretty powerful or a big audience in any sort of social media, then that, that definitely is a route because if they're your friend, then they'll help you out and they'll, they'll try and pass the word on and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, in the end you end up having to, 
having to have your own your own setup and stuff. The the MS Society, the one that I I worked with on the last two voyages, they they were really great. The first one I sort of set up my own, um, which you could do it pretty much all online. It's just a do it yourself sort of thing. But the second one, I actually reached out to to the people at the MS Society because I needed sort of their help to be able to update the the position reports and all that sort of stuff. And they they were more than happy to, and uh, they did a fantastic job. A guy named Joe was sort of my contact there, and yeah, he, he followed through. I, I don't know if he realized what he was getting into, the fact that every single day there was going to be another little tiny update, and he would have to go in and, and do it. But uh, I was only out there for 75 days or whatever, so he got off the hook pretty quick. But... Uh, well, I, I definitely wish you luck on, uh, on all that. The boat's still up on the hard, so he's got, uh, some time to get everything ready. Um, uh, but his random question was about the cockpit hatch. <clears throat> so on a West sail, you've got the cockpit and the footwell. The, the floor of the footwell is typically, you can, you can have it so that that can just pop up and expose the entire engine compartment. Um, but when you're out at sea, you pretty much want that completely locked down. And on Mighty Sparrow, uh, whoever had it before me in the, on the, so if you pull the hatch up, the little rim that the hatch would be resting on has nuts that have been fiberglassed into that area all around it, maybe 12, 12 of them or 16 of them. So when I, when I, want to buckle that thing down so that it's waterproof and everything. I put silicone all around it and then I put it down and then I, I screw the bolts back in with washers done. And, uh, it's a hundred percent waterproof. I can, I tested it by just taking a hose and filling up the footwell, closing the scuppers and just, uh, sat there and watched it and no drips. Couldn't believe it. But you know, the access to the engine room then has to be through through the cabin from from now on because I haven't opened that. Maybe I'll open it up when I get on the hard this time. But uh, yeah, that's that's all it is. Uh, I'm sure you could do it a few different ways, but I don't know. I I feel like I feel like having having through bolts through the or around the whole circumference of the uh, the hatch and using silicone is probably the only way to go on that one to ensure that it stays completely, completely dry. Cause the worst thing you can have is salt water dripping down there and, and dripping directly on your engine, which, uh, I don't think it was from the hatch when I went on the big trip around the world, but, uh, I do know, I think it was the old throttle box. So the little thing that, that you go put the engine in gear and all that sort of stuff that was leaking. So every time I filled that, that, uh, foot well up halfway, Salt water would then drip down on the engine, and uh, it did that for quite a long time. <laughs> and there wasn't much I could do about it because I didn't even have enough fresh water to uh, give it a, a little rinse. But that's all been fixed and taken care of. That was years ago, so we don't have to worry about it. But thanks for writing in uh, about all that sort of stuff, and uh, it's cool. It's it's nice to get a little bit of uh, yeah. It's nice to get to get a little feedback about the podcast and stuff. And so I, I really appreciate that. And I like hearing, I like hearing, uh, from, 
from people who have boats and are doing things and all that sort of stuff. That's probably one of the things I miss most about traveling around and, and doing the presentations about the trip around the world is used to be able to just get to meet all these people from all walks of life who have all these interesting stories. And hopefully, if I am able to uh, to get to a point where where I can travel around to do you know, two months or whatever of, of just hitting people up for the podcast all over the United States, then I'll sort of get back into that mode. Maybe throw a few presentations in there. That would be pretty cool. Hopefully, uh, monkeypox doesn't actually turn into a real thing, <laughs> or at least the fear of it doesn't, uh, impede people wanting to gather. Oh, Lord. Um, but yeah, so I did have one request from I geez, who told it? I, I think it was like on Twitter or something like that. I, I had started a Twitter account once Elon Musk was was gonna buy it because I just thought, wow, that's it's just too funny that that's the sort of thing that people pay attention to. But in any event, uh I think I have one follower on there and uh <laughs> I he had mentioned, he or she, I don't actually know, um, had mentioned that they wanted to hear the story that I had alluded to uh, while I was out at sea, uh, which was sort of the the one time in my life that I sort of experienced a bit of a supernatural uh, entity that was somewhere not happy. That's what is it? Oh yeah, leaving the pier. So at leaving the pier on Twitter, just made some new Dyneema lifelines. Looking good. I did that with Sparrow for this last trip. They're blue, and they look fantastic, and the ability to just tighten them up super easy. I had these old rickety, you know, the normal ones, the wire that were coated with white plastic that always have a little bit of rust coming out of where they're joined up, and you're not too sure what it looks like under there, but you don't want to cut it out. <laughs> and I couldn't quite tighten them all the way. Yeah, so Dyneema was, was really nice, and... So I'm definitely enjoying that, and it looks cool. I, I chose the blue because it's sort of the sparrow's got a bit of flair to her with the yellow decks and all that sort of stuff. But in any event, this this story this took place uh, this took place down in the Caribbean, and it was many years ago. One of the things that we used to like to do when I was working at the Bitter End on nights. Uh, you know, down there, it's 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 pretty casual as far as being able to do things and not have laws and things like that impeding you. So we would typically grab a few beers, things like that, and head out on the water, take a take one of our boats and cruise off to some of these other beaches. Sometimes have little bonfires. Um, there's a little island next to. In, in the North Sound, or it makes up the North Sound, called Prickly Pear. And this island has a pretty interesting history. There were fortifications on the island. Um, there were places where they were making bullets, where they were repairing clothing, things like that. And then there were also, supposedly, a little tiny settlement. Uh, I believe it was, maybe it was Norwegian family or something like that. But even before that sort of stuff, there were there were always rumors and and stories about 
pirates that had been up there and, and had utilized the island and, and possibly stashed things on the island and, and people's bodies were buried on the island and a lot of a lot of what they would call jumbies were supposed to be on the island. So that's ghosts. And it was real enough for the locals down there that you know, they nobody they wouldn't go there at night be there alone at night no way that sort of thing is too spooky i only knew of one guy down there uh who actually stayed there and lived on the island because he was sort of being a caretaker there's an old bar there called sandbox and sometimes it's open sometimes it's not it's kind of a strange little place but me coming down there and and liking to explore and and i don't mind being on my own I've went there plenty of times, uh, and anytime I told people what I was doing, they they thought I was absolutely batshit crazy because no way in hell would they ever be uh, at Sandbox by themselves at night. Um, absolutely terrifying. And I, you know, I've, for me, it's just a beautiful sandy beach with these old buildings and palm trees, and nobody's there, and the moon's out, and it's like eighty-two degrees, and it's wonderful. That's that sort of stuff. I lived for that back then. In any event, so a whole bunch of us, a bunch of my staff and I, we went out, we went to a beach further on down the line. It's kind of tiny little beach we used to call Goat Hive and just hung out and we we sort of partied. It was, uh, I don't know, Friday night maybe. And then probably around midnight or one in the morning, we sort of called it a night and I took everybody back, but I was actually going to be uh, off the next day. And I typically would take one day off every week or two. It was sort of, uh, one of those jobs where you had to give it total commitment for 10 and a half months of the year. And then you get six, eight weeks off in any event. So I drop everybody off and because I have the day off, I'm, I'm sort of ready to go howl at the moon as they would say. And, uh, so I peel back out all by my onesie I got my little Bluetooth speakers. Uh, I've still got a few more beers. Just just trying to enjoy the night. Something about the night and the stars and, and the heat in the Caribbean that uh, I just absolutely love. So I head back, but this time I go right to Sandbox. And I post up, pull the boat up, little 15-foot Boston whaler. Drag that up, and I just plomp myself right down in the sand. Set up my two speakers about 10 feet away from me on either side, start jamming a little Mighty Sparrow because I was in that Caribbean mood. And again, it's like one in the morning, something like that. And I am not there more than 30 seconds. And the speakers all of a sudden start tweaking in and off. Uh, uh, boom, 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 boom. And then, and it, you know, that's, that's not too abnormal, Bluetooth speakers, whatever. Sometimes they get a little glitchy. But next, it was as if the sound the sound of the speakers was fine, but something was getting in between my ear and the speaker. So I guess the only way I can even compare it to is if you just take your hands and move them back and forth in front of your ears on the side of your head. That was the feeling that, uh, or the sound that I was sensing. And instantly the the all the hairs on my body just boom 
shot straight up. I got the feeling that something was right behind me, right on top of me, essentially. And, and it was a very, very negative feeling. And I just grab my speakers, one speaker, grab the other speaker, hop in the boat, push it off the, and, and get right off of that beach. And without really even looking back, and I'm, I'm sort of floating out to get a little bit of depth in the water so I can fire up the engine, and I'm looking back at this beach, and it is absolutely, completely still silent. Not, nothing's moving, it's just moonlight and... Uh, and the hairs are just still just stood right up. Sort of the thing that, that's pretty crazy about this is down there in the Caribbean, you've got the trade winds, and the trade winds are blowing pretty much all the time, day and night. It's very rare to have completely calm, still, still nights. And the thing was, is that was not a calm, still night. And as I'm looking at this, and I'm slowly floating away from this beach, uh, still just completely on edge feeling this really odd, scary feeling. I'm looking at this place and then as if somebody just flicks a light switch, everything starts moving. The palm trees start swaying in the breeze. The, the sound of the wind, the feeling of the wind, everything comes right back to life and boom, the feeling is gone, completely gone. I feel totally normal again. And everything is all a-okay. And that basically was, I ended up taking off and going right back to bitter end. I was uh, sort of done with the night, if you could uh, believe that. But I had, I, I don't think I ever went back there uh, by myself at night uh, ever again for the, the remaining years that I was there. I think that's how freaked out that that situation maybe i mean it, it just went just sitting there and i'm just jamming out to some tunes and then boom it just i don't know i it's uh it's not anything that i can explain but it was something that i i definitely felt a hundred percent it was it was pretty crazy and you know you might be thinking oh well how many beers did you have or this or that that's sort of the thing. I mean, I went from having a nice little buzz on to being completely stone sober instantly. I mean, it was it was it was crazy. I mean, even now as I'm telling this story, which I don't tell very often, uh it the, the hairs are standing up on my arms. It's uh it's spooky and I do remember you know, sometime later on, weeks weeks after that, going back to the other beach that's on the same island, and I was by myself and sort of being a little hesitant, a little worried, didn't didn't know uh, if I was gonna be trespassing, so to speak, uh, again. And luckily, I got there, and it, it was it was no big problem. But that's how much it sort of affected me, and uh, you know, it wasn't anything that I could see besides the the fact that it, it's it. It seemed like it seemed like that whole area was was under a little glass dome for about uh, forty five seconds, and then the dome lifted and and everything came back as far as the wind and the noise and stuff like that. But it was the feeling; it was just that that overwhelming feeling that something was there that did not want me to be there at that moment in time, and. Yeah, so that was that was my that's sort of my one ghost story, I guess, so to speak. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's freaky just to talk about it. So hopefully that uh, that's a, a good filler for you. <laughs> leaving the pier or at leaving the pier on Twitter. Uh, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Whew. It's it's so crazy that that story. I I don't know. It's it's weird to even just think about it because I I don't think about it very often. Uh, only only when I'm sitting around somewhere where people are sort of telling stories like that. But oftentimes I don't even really admit to that one. But so yeah, no, we're just cranking out a little time here, and pretty soon I'm gonna be up washing that hall. Holy cow. It's now fully sunny and looks like it's going to be another beautiful day. Yesterday was absolutely gorgeous. The day before that, it was raining and foggy. But that is Maine for you, folks. It's already starting to warm up and get nice. And I don't know. It's it's actually pretty shocking. Last year when I got up here, it was in June. And I think it was, it was shockingly cold and, and very foggy almost the whole time. So... It'll be interesting to see how this one goes. But other than that, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't really have much news to report at this point. Other than uh, other than the podcast has just been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I do have quite a few people lined up. It's just that, it's just that nailing them down to actually come up with an hour. And I know it's hard. It's definitely hard to to slice off an hour of time when you're working, you're busy, you got other things to do and all that, but hopefully I will be able to get good old Heath bomb in here cuz we're going to we're going to talk about uh we're going to talk about some pretty serious subjects outside of the sailing and boating world, which would be pretty cool. I won't give it away because I want to make sure each I want I want each episode to be of Brand new surprise. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> but I definitely, I, you know, I'm going to be sort of reaching out into different subject areas and, and talking about different stuff because I, I really do want to branch out. One of the people that came with us to the Bob Marley show is uh, herself a comedian and sort of up and coming and all that sort of stuff. But she's done some pretty big shows herself and hopefully... If I if my podcast isn't too tiny for her, we'll be able to get her on the show. I thought that would be really, really interesting to be able to sit and talk to a comedian. I, I think the hardest part is trying not to trying not to laugh too much. Cause you know, obviously a comedian's gonna be spitting jokes out throughout the whole podcast, but at the same time, you you just don't wanna you don't want to seem like you're you're laughing just to I don't know. I'm already overthinking it. My God, what am I doing? Yeah, that's that's one thing. I whenever I talk to people about doing the podcast, they'll they'll always say, "Well, what are we going to talk about?" And I always just say, "No, we, we we'll figure it out. We just we'll go from there. Maybe I'll throw one or two topics out. You know, most of these most of these guys, I'll I'll just say, "Well, we'll talk about lobsters or blah blah blah." At least that gives them some sort of idea, but. For me, it's really more about just just let the conversation flow and see what uh, areas you uncover and discover and, and sort of go from there. I don't know. I mean, I, I think the only ones that I really want to stay like on track are 
informative shows where I'm talking to somebody like like Peter Beal about fiberglass or PAX about electricity and all that sort of stuff. And when I get experts on, I really want to keep that that really on on track. But for everybody else, I, I think it's um, I think it's just more about having an interesting conversation and and giving giving someone who normally wouldn't have uh, a a hour long platform to be able to tell stories or talk about experiences that that exact thing and uh, I don't know for my money it's definitely coming out and uh, I absolutely love love sitting down and learning from other people and and listening too I mean I I want to keep it a back and forth in a lot of ways a sharing experience but I in a lot of time I you know I, I would love to just be able to ask one question and and then just sit and listen but that t- sort of takes the conversation out of it. <laughs> then, then you end up with just this, Jerome Rand rambling away, <laughs> trying to make some sort of sense for 45 minutes to an hour while he sits on his boat, drinking his coffee, and, uh, yeah, getting ready to go back into work. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I have not done yet is get back into the old workout routine. Holy cow, I don't know what a I don't know if it's age or what, but boy oh boy, I need to just get my stuff together and start hitting the road. It's not all that cold in the mornings. I need to be running. <sighs> I need to get back into the old routine. I don't know why uh well, I know why all this sort of happened. Basically, every time I go out before I'm I'm headed out on a long voyage, the game plan is to put on as much weight as humanly possible as quickly as possible. So you eat a lot of garbage, you take in a lot of sugar, stuff that you normally don't eat, and you gain about 15 pounds, and then you head out to sea, and you're in a better position if something happens to a bunch of your food, and you have to start rationing. So that's my that's my uh, that's what I've done. A number of times now and I got back from the last trip and really just did not have a whole lot of motivation to do much besides you know trying to to get through this next book and all that sort of stuff and um yeah I just I don't know it was winter time I just didn't really care and and that's that's such a bad mindset to be in because when you say that it's basically I I'm just don't care about my health <laughs> And I'm just going to eat crap, and I'm not going to exercise, and I'm just going to be lazy. And the problem is, is it's a snowball effect because the less exercise you do, the the worse you sort of feel, and the more uh, the more you get used to not exercising. The idea of then exercising is like, oh, I don't want to. Oh, and I know the thing is, is I know from personal experience, I've done it a million times is once you do start, you know, just say you start running or you start a, a small little exercise program, something like that. It takes about 10 days and then you're in and you're good and you just go. If you can grunt it through 10 days, doing it every single day, all of a sudden your energy levels are up. And 
you know, because you're releasing endorphins and you're you're growing stronger and you feel better and all that sort of stuff. And then, boom, you can just keep going and going and going after that. So you just got to do the 10 days. But <laughs> here we are <laughs> sitting here at my coffee and not uh, not even thinking about running. Well, no, I guess I am thinking about it. So I don't know. I think I think with the the new week starting officially tomorrow. Uh, well, who knows? You know what? I, that whole, like I, well, I guess I'll do it tomorrow. I think it's just such a sham. Cause I, I've said that a million times and then I never follow through. So, you know what? Maybe it's uh maybe it's an end of the day, little jog or something to start things off tonight. Who knows? Who knows? But I, I definitely, yeah, I just, I'm getting way more exercise already just working in the yard, but it's not, there's, there's a difference. Even though I'm carrying around big chunks of wood and, and heavy boat stands and all that sort of stuff pretty much all day, uh, it's, it's a little different than actually going out and running like two or three miles and getting your heart rate up and staying consistent and sweating and all that sort of stuff. So who knows, who knows, but, uh, it's something I know I need to get back into because I'm also, so I'm 43. I'm at that age where, oh boy, slippery slope. You let yourself go a little too, too far gone. And then all of a sudden, uh, it's, you're not going to get it back. And, uh, that's, uh, that's something you don't want to, I don't want to (laughs) experience. I've done, I've done so many pushups in my life that, uh, I don't want those to go to waste. And I don't know, I guess that, that, that chimes back to uh, some very wise, wise words from Sir Robin Knox Johnson uh, that got me around the world, actually. And that's, uh, you don't want to let down the me that got me here. So here I am on this boat and all the work that went into purchasing this boat and all the things that I had to do to stay in shape for all those years, blah, 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 blah. If I quit now and I just say to hell with it, I'm never exercising again, then uh, what the hell did I do all of it for in the first place? Uh, who knows? I don't. It's early, folks. It's really early. But yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's my little world. That's my conundrum. That's my, that's my uh, reality at this point. So I don't know. I'm kind of lucky. I feel lucky for sure to be in this job where I'm, I'm sort of the low man on the totem pole because for so many years of working in sort of the management position where I'm in charge of a team or an area, as fun as that was, it's also a huge amount of responsibility and it's a, a decent amount of pressure that you sort of live with all the time, 24 hours a day. And here, for this job, I pretty much wake up and then go to work, get told what I'm supposed to do and, uh, and go about my day. But as soon as, as soon as that, that eight hours goes by, then I don't think about it at all. (laughs) Not even for one second, (laughs) which is a pretty awesome feeling in a lot of ways. I must say, I must say, I mean, I probably think about the podcast, uh, or, you know, the book, Probably I think about those more than I do the actual the job that I'm doing, <laughs> and 
you know, when I was in a management position, it basically you're, it's always on my mind constantly. What's going on? Are we ready for tomorrow? Are we ready for this? You know, is it safe? Is everybody happy? How's my staff doing? There's just a million things going on. So sometimes it's it's nice to just be in a position where you don't have to do all that sort of stuff. And uh, I know it's it's kind of backwards. Like when I was younger, I was always in management. And now that I'm getting older, I'm trying not to be. <laughs> oh, man, it's too funny, too funny. But in any event, I hope everybody has uh, a great weekend. It's been an awesome May as far as the uh, the podcast goes. We're, we've reached uh, another record high of uh, just over, I think like almost, we probably get to just about 8,500 downloads for the month, which is pretty cool and um, definitely keeps me going and keeps me wanting to... Uh, you know, produce more shows, find more people, grind it out, as they say. You know, it's it's pretty tough trying to do two shows a week, but that's the goal. And sometimes I'll get it and sometimes I won't, but I'm going to try. And uh, yeah, I'm going to start trying to reach out to some of the people up here in Maine. You know, if I, if I end up uh, with a vehicle that I can use, that'll give me a little extra mileage to put on. Um, where I can travel to, to, you know, other, other people. Cause I, you know, the format has to be the same. It's the whole, the whole idea of this podcast is simple in-person interviews, one-on-one and talk about pretty much anything, but at its very, very core, it has to do with being on a boat and being in the ocean. So that's the game plan, but it's gotta be in person because Man, oh man, trying to do an interview that's of any quality that's over the phone or over Skype or something like that, I don't know, just doesn't seem just doesn't seem uh, all that great. And also try and do people who have never been on a podcast before. Because then you never know what you're going to get. You might just uncover a real diamond of a uh, conversation. So... That's it. That's all we're doing. This has just been a bit of a ramble. So uh, big shout out to all my Patreon supporters. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, your continued support of this show does not go unnoticed. So once again, thank you. And uh, for everybody else, thank you for listening. And I hope you have a great weekend and looking forward to June. Take care.